Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. This is Peyton Jones, and today's is sponsored by nobody because we're awaiting new sponsors. Well, actually, uh, we do have a sponsor. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. The sponsor is Petey. <laughs> Petey's paying for my assistant. Woohoo! No. Right <laughs> Petey, no, no. Petey will cancel your guy at the end of the month if we don't have some money coming in. And it was in the ninth. I still got 21 days. He he, he going to be going bye-bye. Um, no, hey, here's what I wanted to say, though. This is a side note, guys. You never listened to the Church Planner podcast before. Uh, we apologize in advance <laughs> for what you're about to experience. But, yeah. uh, no, I was actually thinking about this. Okay, so this week I uh, I had an event. And, and for those of you who, who don't know, um, I do a lot of different things. And... One of the tools that, that I created to help me in my business is uh, a texting and what's called Sly Voicemail platform. And uh, the texting platform allows us to basically text with our lists. And uh, it's called SMS Conversations because it keeps us in conversation with our, um, our databases. And I've got whole strategies that I give our, our people who use it. We've got a couple hundred users right now. And, um, so anyway, bottom line is this, this is the, the setup. So everyone understands where I'm going with this. This week, for the first time, we were selling it. So even though we got a couple hundred users, those were all people who were in my, what are called my inner circle programs. I've got a couple of different inner circles, obviously the Bivo inner circle that Peyton and I do. And uh, some of our members are using it there. And then I've got uh, a big one for real estate. And that's where most of the people are, are coming from is from our, our real estate inner circle. And so I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of ways that churches could use this because we've talked about it on the podcast every once in a while of, you know, uh, texting is the easiest way to reach out to people, especially in a church plant. Or let's say you got a church on the move or whatever. I mean, you could just... You can text people and stay in communication with them. And um, so here's here's the, the reason why I'm bringing all this up. This week, we sold it for the first time. We sold it for a 1000 bucks for a year, plus they get all this this training program stuff that, that I provide. And uh, we had a ton of buyers. So it really got me thinking. I was like, you know what? I want to make a version of this for churches to help churches stay in communication with not just the guests that show up, but with their members. 
And, um, and so we're going to, we're going to rebrand it. And it's not going to be a thousand bucks because I, ch- I know churches can't afford a thousand dollars on a, a texting platform, but here's the deal guys. And this is the reason why I'm bringing it up. I am looking for five church planners or pastors of, you know, churches. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a small church, but most of our, our pastors who listen to the show are, are, uh, pastors of, uh, church plants or smaller churches, I would say. Um, I'll give it to you guys for free, but one, you can only use it for your church. Like I'm not, if you got a side hustle or something like that, that's great. You can pay the thousand bucks like everyone else. But if you're in a church, I'll give it to you for free because I'm looking for some beta testers to help me test out some of the strategies that I've got to help people connect with a church, um, or with their, their members, uh, and people who show up. So if that's you, if you're like, Hey, you know what? I'd like to use something like this for free, but you're going to actually use it. Reach out to me. Just, I'm going to give you my, my personal email. It's Pete at bust out the big guns.com, right? Huh? Bust out the big guns.com, baby. That's funny. And you know, and, free. and for those of you that have not used this, we use this in refuge and it was awesome. Um, I, I guess we use probably like an older version. Oh yeah, much older. Yeah. But it was, it was amazing to, to literally say, everybody pull out your phone. Um, you know, we're telling you to take out your phone and text in church. Most churches tell you not to text in church. We want you to text us right now, put you in our database. You'll get on our email list. Super easy. Everybody pulls out their phone. They probably got them out anyways. They, they, you know, text it in and boom, done. Yep. You know? So you don't got to, hey, fill out the card, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, can Pete, can they text, like, prayer requests to that as well? Yeah, yeah, they can. Like, we're, the church version, I can't even remember. I bought the domain for it, but we haven't set it up there. But it's it's really, it's for churches. And the reason why I, I call, like, the what I'm going to refer to as the secular version of it, because it's not just for churches, I call it, SMS conversations. SMS stands for short message system. Um, that's, that's a text message. I call it SMS conversation. Sexy message system. That, I like that one better. But the reason why we call it conversations is because that's what it's designed to do. It's designed just like how you and I talk back and forth on texting on our phones. That's what it's designed to do, but just in a platform where you can have multiple of these going on. You know, you could have a, a centralized person like we've got an app for it. Right. So like um, people are able to get messages on their phone and, and you know, all that type of stuff. And anyway, I don't want to go into it, but I just want to say, look, if if you'd like want to be part of this beta group, it totally free to you. Just hit me up. Pete at bust out the big dot com. I'm only looking for like five, maybe 10 people who are going to try this out. Now, this isn't for your side hustle. If you're like, hey, if I could use this for my side hustle, no, you got to pay like everyone else (laughs) or you got to join one of our inner circles. That's the way you're going to get it for your side hustle. This is just for your church. If you want to use a cutting edge technology to stay in connection with your church, reach out to me. I got you covered because I need some beta testers before I roll this out and I am going to charge churches for it. I'm not going to be a thousand bucks, but I'm I'm looking for a beta beta tester. Do they get it free for life? Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jerk them around later and go, oh no, you gotta pay. Very cool. Well, hey guys, as long as we're on uh selfish promotion, uh uh, let you know that reaching the unreached happens to be check this out. Kindle picks every month two books out of every category and highlights them. So this month in the category, uh, whatever category, reaching the unreaches, I don't even know what category. Forgotten religious books. <laughs> Forgotten religious books. Yeah, maybe. Um, reaching the unreached has been chosen by Amazon Kindle. I have no idea how. Um, but it's, it's the highlighted book for November within its category, which I think is church leadership or something like that. Anyways, do you think maybe um, they, that means. Do, do you think maybe they like. It's different for everybody. <laughs> like, no, I had the publisher Zondervan reached out to me and we're all excited and said, Hey, your book got selected nice. for, uh, by Kindle. So it wasn't even by me. So reaching the unreached this month, the month of November, 
you can get it for $2.99 on Kindle. So if you have not bought it because you're a cheapskate, hey, November is your month. It is reaching the unreached month. In fact, Kindle's now officially calling it reaching the unreached month. And uh, my book is $2.99 uh, on Kindle uh, for this month only. Share it. You know, you can buy. I don't know if you know this. You can buy uh, Kindle books and email them to people as a gift in Amazon.com if you go on there. So if you even are like, hey, I've been wanting people to know about this book. I read a review yesterday. The guy goes, hey, I don't normally read re- or write reviews, but this book was incredible. It was a really good review. It was the most recent one. And uh, so it was, it, it was kind of cool. And he writes about why he thinks it's it's an awesome book. Um, personally, and I mean, I, Francis Chan based his new book off of that, Letters to the he Church. He did. Yes. Francis Chan based his new book off of my book, Reaching the Unreach, which was very kind of him. Um, so, in, and if you listen to the podcast, that is our standing running joke. Please don't take that serious at all. In fact, don't take almost anything we say in the first half of the show, which is considered smack talk serious, except for these commercially bits, which uh, we don't even normally do. But if you're here first time, we get into the, 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 the rich, chewy nougat of church planning after we bite through the hard chocolate shell uh, for the first 30 minutes. So you got to get through all that gook and then we'll be into the, into the heart of it. But, uh, anyways, reaching in reach 299 amazon.com. Check it out. If you ever want to show appreciation for all of the freeness that we give you and all of this expert church planning advice and, uh, veteran wisdom and all that other stuff that I say to make me sound good. Um, the way that you can thank me is, and I don't, I don't ask you guys for anything ever. But the way you can always thank me is to either promote my book or buy my book or share my book. And uh, by the way, one last thing, on my YouTube channel right now, I've got a new episode of Church Planning Minute. Uh, it's called Prangelism. They are one minute long. So go check it out. Share it. All that good stuff. Same. If you ever want to show appreciation, take the stuff I do, books, videos, promote them, share them. So what does That's that mean it. when they don't? Show appreciation? Does that mean, eh, I don't really want to show you any appreciation? It means there are podcasting freeloaders. <laughs> Which is a good, what, <laughs> 99% of people out there? It pretty much is. You know, I always, it, it's funny because on the post on Facebook, I put, hey guys, I'm just restarting Church Planning Minute. If you want to be a part of it, yada, 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 do this, do that. And then, um, you know, share it. That really helps. And you'll find like Facebook will say, so-and-so liked your post. <laughs> Did you not read them? I wasn't saying like the post. I was saying share the post. Watch the video. Share the video. So anyways. Yeah, apparently they didn't think it was good enough. You know what I hate is when people tag me in their posts. <laughs> yeah, I tagged you on it. I know. I usually I usually untag myself when people do that. Kate Jones says he was with you when he made this video. <laughs> He's lying. But I have it set where I have to approve it for it to go on my timeline because people used to tag me for all kinds of stuff. And I was like, I don't want that. Yeah, on my it's timeline. kind of annoying when people tag you. I use it sparingly. I think you get tagged by me probably like twice a year. No, you're, you're not the bad ones at all. But yeah, no, I think that's important Dude, that do you, you have do a ex- ghost in your house. That door just opened all by itself. Oh, did it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. rad. Hey, weren't we going to talk about exorcisms today? Woo! Were we really? Well, let's talk about that for sure. No, no, no. Didn't we say like what to do when someone calls you over to because they got things bumping in the house? You said you want you were going to go. We need to do that. That's today's podcast. That is not today's podcast. Yes, it is. I'm not all prayed up for that one. I'm not all prayed up for that one. Come on. (laughs) You better pray up afterwards, Mitchell. Can I get some retroactive prayer? <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah, no, it's really you windy up here how today. that works on the time-space continuum? I remember people used to raise that all the time. You know, you'd be in some, like, small group, and people would be like, what if you pray about something afterwards? You know, God's not on our time-space continuum. He's outside of it. Maybe it actually applies to our day. Remember those conversations? I never had those kind of conversations. Yes, you did. We talked quantum physics so many times. No, quantum physics, but not the praying, the praying, not the praying in the past. Or, Retroactive prayer. Yeah. Does it work? Yeah. We never pray to a sovereign God. Never, never did that. So what, what's new happening in your life besides your, your goatee? There is not, well, my facial hair. Yes. Um, I have, what do you call these? What's it called? 
it's like a cowboy mustache is like a bendito uh you know you know what it is is uh it's from uh <laughs> it's from orange county chopper paul senior it is. that's that's yeah. the that's the beard you got going on right now i should have one of those like black motorcycle helmets with the spike coming off the top oh i just yeah. assumed you did Every, everybody has. Well, what's funny is I was with Langham yesterday and uh, Pastor Refuge Long Beach, and I, 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 I had a sombrero in my back seat and uh, left over from the daddy-daughter. All I can say is that's a line that's probably never been said before in the history of English language. I had no sombrero in my back seat. Just happened to have a spare sombrero hanging out in the back seat, so I put it on for Langham. And uh, he got a kick out of it because, I mean, I, I, it was like, we don't need no stinking badges. badges. You really should have worn like a, I can't remember, whatever that, that Mexican uh, overcoat type thing is, you know, where the, I, I don't poncho? remember. Yeah, like a, there oh, you go, poncho. a poncho. That with your sombrero and your facial hair. And I guarantee you, you're getting picked up by the police in Long Beach in five minutes. Dude, right now? Cause I Ice, Ice is going to be checking your around. ID. Like, that's it's how... That's how Mexican you're going to look. You're going to be checked by ICE. So so no kidding. Like I literally look like a DEA agent right now because I got my Deftones. I went and saw the Deftones at the Dia, Dia de las Deftones music festival over the weekend, and uh, which my wife bought earplugs for. Um, and <laughs> which we, she posted online. I thought that was did. funny. She did. She took a picture of the, the earplugs, and I'm going to Peyton's concert tonight. But anyways, uh, it was funny because the cops came down my street and I was meeting with a contractor and he was parked illegally outside my house. So I walked outside and waved at the cops and they, they turned around. It was funny because my buddy goes, oh, he goes, when I come back in, my, my buddy's electrician, he goes, oh, he goes, you walked out there and they thought, oh, the cops are already here. He goes, with that mustache and your, your jacket, you look like DEA agent. Like, you're like, oh, already here, already got it covered. So you just turn around and throw it <laughs> <laughs> I just waved, opened the gate, waved. I got this. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah, man. Oh I was my like, gosh. Hey, we got some extra donuts over here. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny is no one ever looks at me and thinks, I bet you that guy's a cop. <laughs> I in no in way, the shape, 70s, or form. Though, you know I'm looking the part. Oh, dude, you totally look. I could totally see that, actually. So I showed up on my uh, Sin Network uh, Zoom call yesterday, and that was the first comment was, Jonesy, are you wearing a gold medallion by any chance under that nice. shirt? Nice. Yeah, I look I look like the disco king, man. Like every time I walk into a room, ABBA just starts playing. I love it. Love it. So what happened new for you this last week? Um, other than going to the Deftones, um, uh, that was kind of my highlight. Um, actually some cool stuff I can't talk about happened. Um, <laughs> well, that was great. Well, that's just riveting podcast material. Just know that, that neat things happened in my life. No, I mean, not a lot happened to be honest. It was, it was kind of a, it was kind of a dead week for me, you know, more, more of the same, you know, digging more holes and more trenches and. Oh, I jackhammered the other day, and I used a cement saw on my sidewalk, which you're not really supposed to do, but um, the guy wanted to charge me too much money to come do it, so I just rented a cement saw and cut my sidewalk. So, uh, But to be honest, um, that I felt pretty manly doing that, i got to say. So well, you're how, how many weeks you, until you guys are you know moved back in fully? Uh, I, I'm just going to keep quoting Mars Attacks. <laughs> Uh, or not Mars Attacks, which by Total the way recall. Was an outstanding film. Total, um, Total any, Recall. Anytime you got a Chihuahua with uh, a person's Look, head, that like, was that was a horrible movie. Like literally, that was a horrible, oh, horrid such a movie. Good movie. Such a good movie. See, you and I do not have the same taste in movies. The more like, I get I to know you, the more I wonder how did we become friends? <laughs> like, oh man, I we don't what, agree on anything. Mars Attacks. Uh, the best scene in that movie is when uh, they're watching TV at some little donut shop in like New Mexico, and uh, on the TV the Martians come and they like they they blow up the entire uh, modern United Nations, and uh, the the lady uh, watching the TV turns to one of the other people in the donut shop and says, "I think they know like the human being." <laughs> Dude, it's like Nacho Libre. It's so stupid. It's the best. 
best line. It is, it is an incredibly, but the, the love scene, the kissing scene when, uh. Okay, look, uh, let's stop talking about a stupid movie. The, the chick's got the, the, she's on a chihuahua body with a human head. Oh, come on. Any movie that has that in it, you know it's good. But what was I saying? What movie was two I weeks to? Total Recall? A Total Recall, man. We're on Mars in two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. That's, that's a soundbite we need to add now. That's how I feel right now, man. It's like I can say two weeks, and then it just starts going downhill from there. Yeah, that is definitely going downhill. Because I'll just keep saying two weeks like that lady. I, that's why I was wondering. I'm like, is he going to say the same two weeks that he said like a week weeks. ago? Yeah. Yeah. Get ready for a surprise. I guess so, man. I guess so. <laughs> you have to really know Total Recall to even understand how many Easter eggs I just put in that. Yeah, I guess so. Because I only picked up the one. Yeah. What was the other line you said? Get ready for a surprise. When is that in the movie? Right before her head explodes. Oh, that's what she says. He's holding the yeah. head, and she after she says, <laughs> "You want to know why I remember Total Recall as well as I do?" Because when it came out, I was in high school, and for those of you who don't know my story, I'm the son of a Baptist pastor, and all I my friends. I like where you're going with this. All of my friends loved that movie. Like, oh, it's the greatest movie ever. So the only way I could see it because it was rated R, I had to buy the VHS tape. Because I could sneak that in the house and watch it, but I couldn't go to the theater. So I waited till it came out on VHS, and that was the first movie I ever bought. Interesting. Is it really? Yep. Do you own it on 3D now? Was it remastered on 3D? No. Then no. I guess the answer is no to that question. (laughs) I guess that was a stupid question. (laughs) I don't know. I I said no because I don't... I don't know what happened with your foosball friends and all the 3D television. Dude, I got so in trouble. I, I, I might have shared this on the podcast before. My sister and I went to go see Cliffhanger with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Do you remember that movie back in the day? I loved that movie. Great movie, right? Oh, yeah. The opening scene. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's heavy. Yeah. I remember watching that and like almost pooping my pants. I, My sister and I went and saw it. We got in so much trouble because as soon as we get home, like I'm, I'm conditioned. I know to lie about seeing a rated R movie. And, and, uh, my dad's like, what'd you guys go see? And then my sister says, cliffhanger, cliffhanger. what's it rated? R. Like she didn't like, she didn't even stop on go, oh, I think PG 13. I mean, come on. What rational teenager doesn't lie? We got in so much trouble. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. No way. Do you know how upset my parents were that I went into film as my major? <laughs> I mean, they were like, Mom, Dad, I'm only studying PG and G movies and documentaries. I don't study any R-rated I- I'll movies. I'll never make class. an R-rated movie. I live an R-rated life. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Oh, yes. The joys hey, of being the son hey, of a Baptist pastor. Long Beach. Was an R-rated church. Let's be it honest. was an R-rated church, dude. When you have a transsexual walking around, and you got to explain to your kids what's going on over I, there. I warned people when we planted that church. I was just having this conversation yesterday that I had to warn people um, when when they first came over from the the mothership, the sinning church. They wanted to be a part of our core team. I was like, hey, listen, guys, um, some of you aren't going to last here because. You're not going to want to have the tough conversations when the lesbians come in holding hands or kiss and, you know, or the gay guys, you're, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to be able to hack it. First day that happens, you're like, we're out of here. And I'm like, just don't come, right? If that's an issue for you, don't come. You either have those conversations with your kids before the church plant or, you know, during, but you make up your mind. You guys need to, are we all in or not on this mission? Because if we are, we're going to see stuff. And praise God, we're going to see this stuff that we're, we don't normally see when we're not on mission. But that's what's going to happen. And sure enough. Yep. Sure enough, it happened. So. Nothing happened. <laughs> we had all it kinds happened. of stuff happen. We had all kinds of, you know, the 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 uh, <laughs> the knife fight was a, uh, that was a. 
The that knife fight with a pair of scissors. Well, yeah. I don't have a knife, but I got a pair of scissors and I can make this. I can take this to the next level. Who was preaching? Was it Charlie that was preaching when that broke out in the middle of service? No, that happened right before. That happened right outside, right before the service started. Was it during music then? No. No, okay, you no. weren't there then. Because, yes, it happened in the middle of service. No, no, I was out. No, literally, I was the one in, the, in between them breaking them up. Okay, and well, then it happened in the middle. We were all sitting there in the middle, and that's why it was like, okay, this is going on in the middle of church. It was either in the middle oh, of singing it? or the middle of someone preaching. Oh, I thought it was well, Charlie there, who was in the middle of preaching because he always had the worst. Few, yeah, there, was. there were quite a few incidents. There were two involving. There were two occasions where someone rushed the pulpit um, to attack, and one was Charlie. <laughs> well, the one guy wasn't. That guy wasn't rushing the pulpit to attack. That guy. That guy was so drunk, oh, and yeah. he was that putting was one of them. He was putting was his one. hand on the pulpit, like in Charlie's face. Charlie's trying to preach, and he's like, dar, 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 "Right there, well, right was, there." He was swinging his arms, and yeah, he, was, he wasn't attacking though. He was just, he was just drunk. He two was of just, our big dudes, including uh, Big Anthony, who uh, was was <laughs> was our first guy to go to prison, um, you know, but they let him out right away. He uh, he he was up there in a heartbeat. So was Tim. Actually, they weren't. That was part of the thing that you actually had to have a conversation with them all afterwards because you weren't there that week. And when you found out about it, you're like, okay, I need to explain this to like, you know, Bonomo and all the leaders. Look, when this stuff happens, it's your responsibility to go get that guy off the, you know, quote unquote stage. Cause yeah, they, they don't, didn't know don't it make that Charlie time. defend himself. Yeah, you know, they were so green. All this stuff it starts blending together. So it's funny because you remember things a little bit different than me, and I'm I'm 100 sure that your memory is the more accurate. I I can't remember Jack right now, man. Well, I know that the only thing is the reason why I remember that is because you weren't there that week. Otherwise, you would have gone up there and pulled the guy back. But yeah. when you found out that it went on as long as it did, you were like, okay. They just, you know, because everyone was from Orange County. No one's people don't to, know. Yeah, people yeah. don't know how to handle that. It's kind of like when you're street preaching, um, and you've got a crew with you. When, you know, that's all the there's these kind of rules that you got to educate people to do a street ministry or open air church. You know, you you have certain um, there's just certain ways to deal with it. It comes with experience, and it comes sometimes with a little bit of instruction. But uh, like for example, if you're street preaching. Um, you have people that are there to talk to people. You got to tell them, don't do it during the preaching. If somebody talks to you, say, Hey, uh, yeah, Hey, I want to talk to you, but, um, he'll be done in a couple minutes. So let's, ch- let's chat about that. Otherwise what happens is you got all these people that are with you supposed to be on your team. You're street preaching and they're, they're literally the interruptions having all these conversations while you're trying to preach. And it makes it really, really difficult because you imagine you're, you're now it's like preaching. If you've ever been to a party and everyone's having all these conversations, it'd be like trying to preach to that. So, you you know, people just don't know. They think, oh, no, this is cool. This guy tapped me and I'm having a gospel conversation. We're like, yeah, have it in a couple minutes. If I'm preaching, I'll see these conversations. I'm, I'm taking everything in when I'm preaching. Don't worry. I'm seeing it because you have to be super switched on if you're street preaching. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think we did a whole episode about that once. Yeah. Interesting. Which street preaching is not the uh, uh, the the done thing, uh, but if you do it well, it still works. Yeah, yeah. The fun times at Refuge Long Beach, no oh, doubt, no doubt. Getting ready to plant a choice pretty soon, so keep. So we're ready to get into today's topic. Sure, uh, Doc Brown. You want to kick us off? Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Well, I hope you have your sound bites ready, uh, Pete Mitchell, because we are heading into our, our scary... We should have done this for Halloween. Are you serious? Are we really doing that topic? Yes, come on. Let's do it. All right. Pete's <laughs> like, all right, I guess it's time for me to borrow Andrew's earplugs. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you you cut him off. I did. I find your lack of membership disturbing. <laughs> what the heck was that? 
I don't know. It's one of those birthday present things. Do not underestimate the power of the Bible inner circle. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty funny. He's not very good, though. I will say. I, I don't know who did it. I have no idea. So, so I got to tell you, like, I literally, I had a guy when I was working on the bar in Starbucks. Um, he would take, you know, those like metal cans or the metal jugs that you steam the milk in at Starbucks. Yeah. He would take one of those, hold it up sideways to his mouth, and he would do a perfect Darth Vader impression. You would swear it was James Earl Jones. It was so good. And we'd be like, dude, do it again. Do it again. He could do all these rad voices. He'd do Smeagol. He'd call out the drink like he was Darth Vader. Call out the drink like he was Smeagol. It was awesome. I did. Starbucks in Europe was way cooler than here. I will say that. So, okay, our topic today is what to do when your unbelieving neighbor, friend, or contact calls you in to deal with their haunted house. I'm telling you, it should have been a Halloween one. I am just going to sit back for this one. Oh, you got to interact. That makes it good. I, need, I don't I need want to interact. Questions. Your questions will be our listeners' questions, so I need to hear from you. So here's the deal. Um, you know, recently you guys know that uh, this this happened. Now, what, one thing to to be aware of is my I have not yet gone in. In fact, I had a uh, another sit down with my neighbor this week over this because it's been going off the chain. Um, they've been seeing apparitions. They've um, had things um, coming out of the cupboards. They've um, this is my back neighbor. Now, those of you that have listened to the podcast for a while know that I live right next to a train track and we get a lot of deaths, uh, at this train track. In fact, about two weeks ago, somebody, uh, tried to commit suicide. Now I know you're sitting there going, whoa, no, wait a second. Are you watching those ghosty shows and you, well, you know, here's the thing, guys. Um, there, there are not, this is my opinion now. Let me give my opinion. Do I believe in ghosts? Yes, I do. Do I believe that all uh, spiritual entities are demonic forces? I do not. Um, I grew up in a house where uh, there was supernatural activity. In fact, that was one of the things that opened me up to the gospel. Do I believe that they were all demonic? No. Do I believe that some was demonic? Yes. Um, but but here's the deal. My view is, and, and I, we can all disagree, agree to disagree. The fact is the Bible doesn't really ever say that all apparitions are demons. So we're not bound to believe that, even though fundamentalist preachers might say, there's no such thing as ghosts because there's only demons in the Bible. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. In fact, on multiple occasions, the disciples think they've seen a ghost. They think they see a ghost when they see Jesus walking on water. They think they've seen a ghost. After Jesus raises from the dead, they think they see a ghost when Peter appears outside of their door in the book of Acts knocking. So, yeah, but the problem with that argument, using that as your argument, is all of those proved not to be ghosts. So you can't use that to say there could be ghosts. Listen, listen, all of those were proved not to be what I am and what I am not saying. Am I saying that that proves that there is ghosts? No. What I am saying is the apostles still believed in ghosts, right? So they weren't, they weren't, I'm not saying that's proof ghosts exist. I'm saying this is proof the apostles still believed in their worldview in, in, in ghosts. Now, could it be that they were just wrong? It's like if I see something and I think it's a ghost, does that prove that my belief was right? Does that prove that the belief of the apostles was right? No, it simply proves that the apostles still had a belief in ghosts. Right. Even well, after seeing Yeah, and, and if, the other thing too that I would say is I, I think there's there's <laughs> there's evidence in the Bible that a lot of things we would think is not possible is possible. And I don't just mean like miracles and stuff like that, but you look at uh now correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it Saul who had Samuel brought back with the uh, medium? Correct. And Samuel was like, who who did this? Like, yeah, who's disturbed me? Yeah, it's clearly him. That's the thing. It's clearly him. And that's like freaky mind blowing. Wait a second. How is this even possible? Because my theology says it's not, you know, like, I, yeah. So there's some, there's some stuff there's in there. There's stranger that, things that are dreamt of in our philosophies, Horatio, as yeah. Hamlet said. But here, here's the thing is that, even, even for example, like 
like Moses and Elijah, this is a weird one, right? On the Mount of Transfiguration, were they apparitions or were they physically there? Um, interestingly, because as you know, both of them, their bodies, uh, the Bible's kind of clear that their bodies disappeared. So it, it's kind of like, we don't know if they were physically there. And if that's the case, how'd that happen for the resurrection of the dead? Um, we, we, could they be in their glorified? Is it back to that time space continuum? We don't know. But anyways, all this fast forward. There's my train. Um, yeah, we had a suicide attempt on the, on the track, just like oh. literally out in front of my house, tons of cops and commotion. And there was a teenager trying to, to take her own life uh, a few weeks ago. Dude, that and sucks. It really sucks, dude. You know, and, you and know the- I know this is a side thing, but you just, you reminded me of something that my heart just sank. I was at this event a few weeks ago and I was there, uh, met up with a buddy who's from Sacramento and I, I mean, I think he says he's a Christian. I don't know if he is or not. Um, but do you know, do you know Dennis Hoff? The, uh, have you heard of the guy? He runs, well, he ran the bunny ranch in, uh, Nevada prostitution brothel, whatever you want to call it. I do not know him. <laughs> well, he's pretty famous because he had a TV show and, uh, he's the guy who ran for state assembly in Nevada and he just won this week. But he died like a month ago on wow. his, his, uh, I think it was like his, either his 70th or his 72nd. And they second. voted him in. They still voted the him office in. anyways. Yeah. Cause it's, what it's, a sick society we have. It's Nevada, man. man. So, um, but here's the thing. My buddy was like, Oh, did you hear Dennis Hoffman? I'm like, who? And, and then, you know, when he, Oh, the bunny ranch. I'm like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. He's like, Yeah. You know what? Uh, he had such a wild birthday party. He died and his best friend, Ron Jeremy, found him. And I'm like, like my heart sank when I heard that. Yeah. And he thought it was funny. He's like, you know, what kind of a party did you have? And I'm like, dude, man, that guy probably died not knowing Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I don't know it as a fact because I can't speak for the man, but I mean, he certainly did not live his life like he knew Jesus. Right. And it just, you know, it it's funny. Heart, I watched man. a documentary years ago on Queen and uh, Freddie Mercury, and um, he he threw such a wild party that some of the guys that they were interviewing, literally, I remember a couple of them said this. Um, I don't know if there's a hell, but if there is, I'm going to it because of that night. Really? And, wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, like because of the depravity. Yeah. And it's it's it is sad, man. That that. People are, you know, these guys were aware that there was an evil there that they had, that they had partaken of and whatever it was, you know, I, I don't want to know. I kind of take, you know, Paul's, take, like, it's, it, it's, it's better not even to speak of the deeds done in darkness, you know, um, I don't want to know. I, 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 I plead ignorance, man. But, you know, it's funny because, you know, as we're talking about all this, getting back to the ghost thing is, my view, and and again, all believers, this is a gray area. It's like, do you believe in UFOs or not? Um, my view is that things in the universe are broken. Just like when you have something that has a birth, you know, a child has a birth defect. Yes, we know God is a sovereign God, but did he will um, somebody to be born with a birth defect? I, I don't believe that. I think we have a very strange understanding of God's sovereignty when we get into that. Even, even the people are like, Lord, who sinned that this man's, you know, was born blind, him or his parents? And Jesus is like, his answer was neither. You know, like, you've got this all wrong. I think that things are broken in a broken world. And as death was not the original plan of the universe, that just like birth defects were not the original plan in the universe, I think that certain things break. And when people die, things don't happen correctly for whatever reason when somebody gets murdered or what have you there's a there's a different um connotation in the new testament when someone's unjustly murdered god says things like their blood cries out to me from the ground he says that with the very first murder there's there's a difference it's this innocent blood that's been spilled and god says it it cries out to me from the ground i don't know what that means 
But God constantly talks about the land being polluted by blood that was spilled, the blood of innocence. And of course, in all occultic rituals, that's something. I think, personally, that when something like that happens, that um, people, for whatever reason, do get stuck. I think it's just part of a broken universe. I think in, in, just to go into eschatology a little bit, in the last day, like, for example, we know that people's spirits aren't in their final resting place anyways. And when God causes all the dead to raise, as it says, those, the heaven and earth, uh, the sea gave up all the dead that was in it. Um, that what happens is people's spirits are reunited into their bodies. And as Paul says, we all must stand before uh, the Lord to give account of things done in the body. And then you're cast in the lake of fire if you're condemned and the body's burned up. That's why Jesus said, don't fear him who can destroy uh, the body only fear him who can destroy body and soul, right? So, so your body gets burned and then the Bible calls that the second death. Whereas the believers are resurrected to, um, uh, what is it? The resurrection of the just. It is, it is a separate resurrection and we are transformed into a glorious eternal body. So part of our salvation is when we rise, we, it says, and they do not taste the second death. We get resurrected in our body. So the, the, the unbeliever gets resurrected in a body that is not glorified. So glorification is part of our salvation. There's justification, sanctification, and glorification. So if this is new for you, just study some eschatology, read some of the old stuff, stuff from the 1800s, Puritans, they used to talk about this. Today, uh, I would say that people are theologically illiterate, they don't know most of this. It's basic Christianity. It's what's been taught for the last few thousand years, uh, last hundred years or so. Uh, we got into dispensationalism and all got jacked up and so confusing. You need a roadmap. Nobody understands it. And that's why we don't teach it anymore. It used to be really simple. Resurrection of the just and the unjust in Revelation. One gets a glorified body. That's us because we've been united with Christ as he was raised in glory. So will we be. And we are inhabit the new heavens and the new earth and our glorified body for all of eternity. Whereas the non-believer, he didn't get justified. He wasn't sanctified, so he doesn't get glorified. Therefore, he's raised in a corruptible body. He gets cast in a lake of fire and is destroyed. So when people say, oh, well, there can't be ghosts, don't worry. God will reunite that spirit, even if it's lost in what we would call a limbo state, you know, kind of trapped, not, not in its final resting place. Don't worry, because the Bible doesn't contradict that. God will take that spirit. He will take that body. He will reunite it. They will stand before the judgment and they will be judged. Right. Um, I do not believe that a believer can uh, be a ghost. I, I just don't believe that because Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You don't get trapped when you're a believer. Right. You you go to where you're supposed to go. Right. And the Bible does teach that there was a holding place even before. Uh, Jesus came and died on the cross. So there's these things in the Bible that kind of talk about people going to a, a temporary place. It's not the final place, not the lake of fire. Um, it's not limbo, right? Limbo would be people that are trapped. Um, so anyways, that's kind of the, the little theological background. Now that's, that's a big can of worms, Pete. That's yeah. just kind of setting the ground for, for what I believe. And again, this is all speculation. There's not, I'm not saying, I believe this and this is the way it has to be. What I'm saying is this is what I believe. I know a little bit of the theology of the Bible. It does not contradict the fact that there could be ghosts. Does that make sense? Yeah. I know, um, I know from when I read, uh, deliver us from evil, uh, that guy, I can't remember his name, but he's Catholic and he definitely believed in ghosts. Yeah. And he had a you whole. Know, I can't remember if I read that. I don't think I read that book. You and I saw the movie with uh, Barry. Remember we, we took Barry? Did. Yeah, poor Barry. We <laughs> the the movie has literally nothing to do with the book. Like they borrowed the title and the guy, and like that was it. But yeah, yeah, it wasn't that great of a movie. But uh, it it it's one of those books where, let's just say, when you read it, you. You're going to have to just read it <laughs> because if you go in there with your own theology, which I'm not saying your theology is wrong and his is right. I'm just saying you won't be able to fully appreciate all the experiences that he's had. 
And right. for me, that was the thing is I, I mean, the things that he has experienced, things that I wouldn't have believed in, um, where, you know, like objects could have, right. uh, you know, uh, not a spiritual dimension to it, but almost like an evilness associated with them. Um, things like that, that I never would have believed in. And I was like, huh, that's kind of interesting that, you know, some of the experiences that he's had with that stuff. So anyway, yeah, a whole nother, whole nother topic. Yeah, no, well, you know, in, in those of you that know, um, you know, I did a training years ago called jump school and the, wait, the wait, jump school wait, wait, wait. training. What was it huh? called? It's called jump school. And in, in the jump school, we use the, the airborne uh, infantry as a, a metaphor for a church planner, a guy that kind of drops into enemy territory and reconnaissance mission and what have you. And and so uh, in, the, in the airborne creed, there's a line in there. I kind of want to talk about that because here's the thing. When you're called upon by a friend, by a neighbor, by a coworker, um, and you are, are told, Hey, my house is on. For example, in my youth group, there was a girl. Her whole family has since come to faith, but she came to faith because there was this, and I don't know how to put it, but for lack of a better term, they would call it the cow. And it was this black beast that would, it was a shadow beast and it would walk through their house. And it, it, a kid in my youth group saw it and started crying. Um, they and they she would say no you probably shouldn't come around my house um when her brothers and sisters would get married the in-laws would see it and freak out and they'd have to warn them like look our house is haunted and so she came to faith came to our youth group eventually uh her i'll never forget meeting her siblings that we had prayed for for years at church because uh they had um the the daughter had gotten married they had moved and it followed them into their new home. Mm. And so they were like, okay, we need to come to Jesus. You know, they, they, it, it was because where do you move when things follow you? You know? So it was pretty serious. Like we need to get right with God. And so every once in a while guys in your church plan, particularly as your frontline, you're going to come across this. And you know, if, if you're Catholic or Anglican or Episcopal, some of the higher church, they would call it a house blessing. Um, it, it, it might, you might call it in your tradition a cleansing, or you might be from a tradition where they're like, we have no category or no box to put this in. If a non-believer came to me and said, I, my house is haunted, will you come look at it? I would say, um, you need to get back on your meds, right? But you will find that you will be called, it, you're going to encounter this at some point in your ministry. Um, almost every pastor I know in the area has been contacted and has done these. Um, in fact, all my friends around Oceanside and Carlsbad, it's funny because right now I'm looking for a wingman. I'm just prepping some of my, hey, I'm going to need to do this. And you don't ever do this stuff alone. You would never just go. One, one of my first house calls, in fact, I think it was my first house call as a pastor, was someone called the church um, in Huntington Beach years ago, back in the 90s. And was like, hey, we have a demon in our house. Can you come visit? That's so dangerous. And my pastor sent me alone. And I was freaking out. Like, what in the heck? What if this happens? And he's like, he had done so many of them that to him it was like no big deal. And I was like, well, this is a problem for me. So, you know, anyways, um, there's a couple things that uh, I'll, I'll just cut straight to the nitty gritty of what you got to do. Because I'm looking at the clock. And we're somehow we're running out of time. But Here's what you do. Number one, you pray. And this is why I brought up the Airborne Creed. Guys, let me read some of this creed to you and, and apply this to you as a church planner. I am an airborne trooper. I jump by parachute from any plane in flight. I volunteered to do it knowing full well the hazards of my choice. I serve in a mighty airborne force, famed for deeds in war, renowned for readiness and peace. It is my pledge and honor and prestige and all that I am and all I do. I am an elite trooper, a sky trooper, a spearhead trooper. I blaze the way to far-flung goals behind, before, above my country's enemies' front lines. I know that someday I may have to fight without support for days on end. Therefore, I keep my mind and body always fit to do my port, part in any mission. Um, so, so you know, ending there, that, that whole sense of being ready, that is the key to spiritual warfare. To be ready in season and out of season. To be prayed up, to be seeking the Lord, to be spiritually fit. 
unlike, you know, the airborne creed that says I, I keep physically fit because I'll be called upon at any time. Um, that's the deal is you have to be fit for this. You will almost always find that these calls come when you're not ready. It's like when the JWs knock on the door, you know, you're not deep in prayer and reading your Bible when they knock. You're always doing, doing something stupid like playing a video game. You're not ready. And there's always a ploy of the enemy in this and you will find spiritual attack will bump up in your life as this happens. And so you've got to be prayed up. You, you know, when this happened, the next day I woke up and it was like, well, it's time for war, you know, ready, ready to do some battle. And, and I fasted that day. I didn't do a full food fast, but I did a fast from all junk food because yeah, it was Halloween. And, uh, and I, and I did a fast from junk food for a day just because even if it was just a, you know, I had a lot of digging and stuff like that to do, but it was like, well, I need to be spiritually fit. So I will do this little bit to get me a little bit more um, focused upon the Lord and, and on, you know, always spiritual warfare is going to be stand in the power of his might. Unlike the, the airborne creed, which goes on to say, I am self-reliant and unafraid. It's the opposite for us. We're completely Christ and God reliant and maybe scared out of our head. And that's okay, you know, but that's why you are constantly ready and prepped for this. Um, so what do you do? Well, the first thing that you do is you meet with people and you talk to them and you, you, you warn them that, hey, I'm going to come in there and it's, it's going to be pretty heavy. I'm going to bring uh, a wingman or bring someone else, someone who's qualified for this. And we're going to, we're going to be bringing the name of Jesus. We're going to be reading scripture and we're going to be praying. And then you ask them, where are you at spiritually? You know, that was the first question I had. You you have a conversation almost like you don't just rush over there. You say, well, let's meet first. Let's talk. And because what you want to do is you want to talk to him about the Lord. And so with my neighbor, we talk a little bit of it. He watched his dad have a near-death experience a couple times, die and be brought back. And he had experience and came back talking about God. And um, so you, you want to have all those conversations. Now, it's funny because uh, my neighbor was um, the, the roommate scared. You know, open to have the Native American, open to have that, but actually scared of what I might bring if I come in with Jesus. And so the gentleman said, hey, um, my neighbor said, hey, uh, he's not quite ready. He's he's not quite there yet. Um, and because and, and, I told him, hey, this is what will happen. But when you do what's going to happen you, when you say this is what will happen, what, what does that well, mean? I'm going to well, that. That's what I'm getting to. First thing is you got to be praying. You got to be prayed up. You got to be doing battle. You got to ask people to be praying for you. You need to get your prayer support. Right. Then on top of that, what you do, I would fast. I would fast and pray. I would spend, you know, a few hours praying. Um, and then when you go there, first thing you want to do is you want to I, I personally just to, to be a little bit, um, uh, it's not for drama, but I believe that you should have incense. Now, this is a biblical thing. The incense represents the prayers going up to God. Um, the, these are, the oil represents the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I anoint with oil as I'm doing it. Just like I would anoint a person, I anoint the house with oil. And I, I am talking about the Holy Spirit is here. That Jesus is here and I declare, you know, I'm declaring I'm it's fighting words. If, if it's a, it's a weirdest thing, man, when you end up doing anything like an exorcism or spiritual warfare, there have been times I've done this stuff and you just get filled with the Holy spirit and the words coming out of your mouth are the most like Rocky pumped things. Like you're saying things where you're like, this is like fighting language. And, and it's like a warrior spirit that comes over you. Like God is doing battle and you sense that. And you're saying things like that are, um, there's just things you don't normally say, you know, like, uh, I can't even think about it right now, but, but I can feel it as I'm talking about it. They, it's things like, um, uh, it's stuff that that's boasting the dominion of Jesus. It's, it's like, uh, and, and it comes over you. Um, and, and you can feel like I'm filled with the Holy Spirit right now and God is doing battle. I'm, I'm a channel right now and a conduit for God moving. And it's, it's amazing. Like when I'm doing, I, I got chills, you know, um, because it's so rad. It's just Christ exerting his authority 
and his power and his dominion, just like the, 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 the Lord's prayer. So I'm praying. I am quoting scriptures. I'm talking about the cross. I'm talking about the enemy being crushed, his head being crushed, Satan being defeated, Satan being put under our feet. You do not yet see, but soon he will be put under your feet. You're boasting in the victory and the conquering nature of Christ's work on the cross, the power of the resurrection, God filling all things through Jesus, filling that house. I mean, it's, it's powerful. And one thing that, that the, the, the enemy cannot handle is the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, the Holy Spirit could only come in the presence and power that he came in after Christ won that victory. So the Holy Spirit filling an individual or filling a room is, it was kind of like one of the goals. And it, and as that happens, that's like, that's almost like the nail in the coffin for Satan. It's like the, um, it's the it's 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 unbearable to Satan. I've seen more demoniacs manifest as the Holy Spirit uh, as we're praying for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you'd be praying for each other for that to happen before you need to be laying hands on each other. But there's literally oil. You're you're singing worship things that are that are not like oceans and you know all these you know cannons all these. I don't want to knock anyone's worship songs, but not the ones that are trendy and trite and weak. I'm talking like the ones that are like, you know, uh, just all hail, you know, like all hail Megatron. It's like all hail the power of the risen Lord. You're going to sing songs like that, victory songs. And I'm just telling you, like either things pop off or they don't, but you will literally feel the atmosphere changed in a room. Um, one of the pastors I talked to this week, he was he was doing a, a house cleansing. And as he did it, they said that this house, they have never been able to get a breeze in there. So they had fans going at all times. He said that, you know, the house just never gets air through it. So there's literally a stifling atmosphere in the air. He said when they were done praying, this breeze went through the house and everyone started freaking out. The, the homeowner's like, We've never had a breeze in this house. The entire, where's this coming from? And it was literally a breeze. The air was cleared from the oppression and the stifling presence of the enemy. And I know this all sounds like crazy talk to you guys, but you, when you will be called into this and you will start to experience these things, but it is all very simple. You were going to read scripture. You were going to pray. You are going to pray that the Lord's presence fills that house and you are going to command the evil spirits to leave. I don't just mean like, hello, we pray that you cause the enemy. No, you're going to say, I command you in the name of Jesus to depart from here. And one thing you're going to do at a certain point is you're going to talk to these people and you're going to say, guys, you need, now that I've cleansed your house, you guys need to invite the Holy Spirit. In. You need to invite Christ in. And that starts with your heart. And you lead him to Jesus. And if there's been manifestations, trust me, that's, that's a lot easier to do when people just experience things kicking off. So, you know, you mentioned that uh, don't do it alone. Where do they go? Who do they reach out to to find someone else who's, who's <laughs> done this before? Well, that's what you do is you talk to pastors that you, you know and respect and think, hey, you know, I think that uh, this is something that um, is going to happen. Um and would you be willing to cut? Have you done it before? I mean, that's, that's the best question to ask. Yeah. Well, that's just, uh, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm glad I've never had to do that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not the kind of thing you want to go looking for. Um, it is terrifying. I'll be honest. Like every time I do, I'm a little scared. And then you'll feel that, that power of the Holy Spirit rush in, um, and it's, it's cool. And then you always, you'll, you'll feel, um, uh, you'll feel like a, a, a supernatural peace come over the place when you're done. So it's, it's pretty rad. Wow. And, you know, I would say every time you do these, it's like, sometimes you'll hear voices. Don't freak out. Like other people will freak out. You need to be ready. Um, you might see an apparition. You might, have things suddenly fly across the room. Um, it, it depends, you know, um, and, and just, 
Just know that when those things happen, be prepared. Be happy if they don't. I mean, be really happy because it's unsettling, you know, because your brain's going, where do I put this? That was unexpected. And what they're trying to do is intimidate. They're trying, you know, I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and this boldness and this authority that comes with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's something God gives to you, which is rad, right? I remember being in an exorcism once and I was, there's a, and it, oh, by the way, that, um, that, uh, what was the name of that movie you referenced? Deliver Us From Evil. Deliver Us From Evil. He nails it in that movie. That was the one thing in that movie that to me, I was like, I've never seen that depicted. There is a panic and a fear that sets into you when when a demon first manifests. Um, whenever a demonic spirit starts to show themselves, it's a it's a panic. I don't know how to put it, but it is a supernatural dread and fear that comes into your heart. Um, and you have to almost kind of be like a Jedi and just not you have to. And, and I'm telling you this. So when it happens, you don't freak out. It, it sets in, it's like this panic and fear. It's, it is a supernaturally induced, it is demonic, and you start to feel like, like you're disoriented. And they nail that in that movie. The, the, when, when that happens, what I do is I immediately just, I go into, I, I don't know how to express it, but I go into myself and I reconnect with Jesus. And in the worst exorcism I've ever been in, it happened and I started shaking and I, I started panicking and I thought, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose. And it was just the most irrational, weirdest thing. And then right after that, you know, like I said, all I could do is pray. And I went into myself and I prayed and it was like that secret place in the most high, just reconnect with Jesus. I got flooded with the supernatural peace. I looked right at the person with the authority of the Lord and I, suddenly I saw fear in the demoniac's eyes and I was able to look at him and say, you know, I, I was immediately given a prophecy, a prophetic word, something that, that I couldn't have known. And every, and I remember saying to the person, I see you. And I, and I was speaking to the demoniac. I was speaking to the actual dead, not the demoniac. I was speaking to the demon and I said, I see you now. And it was like, you, you just saw this fear. It was, it was, it was an amazing experience. And, you know, the, the exorcism lasted for a while, but it was, it was the worst. I actually, I, I'm not even going to talk about it anymore because the more I talk about it, the more crazy it's going to sound. And there's some crazy stuff that happened afterwards. So we'll just end the podcast there, shall we? Well, all I can say to that is, the Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. Just remember, we're probably the only podcast that's going to tell you this kind of stuff. But in the hey, in the, the stuff they didn't teach you in seminary, right? In the Protestant world, yes, it will be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, those Catholic priests, those guys that do this stuff, they know some stuff. Trust me. They so, do. hey, if you guys want to go back and listen to our exorcism one, you can. We're not quite there. Um, this is actually a little bit different. By the way, you can't get called into these situations and nobody's possessed, you know. So I, I would say nine times out of ten, there's not anyone who's possessed in these situations. This is, this is literally just something people are being terrorized. And thankfully, um, often that leads people to Jesus. So it was definitely the case in my family. Um, the enemy was bumping around. Um, in my house, it was, there were, I believe, um, uh, ghosts, and I believe they were demons that were operating in the house that I grew up in, uh, for various reasons. And that, uh, that actually opened me up to the gospel. I would not be here, I don't believe, if, um, those things had not been a part of my family life growing up. So, okay, well, guys, thanks for joining us. By the way, um, with all these house calls you're making, Pete, <laughs> how are you going to be able to, uh, keep track of all the finances and, <laughs> Well, you know, it's a great question, but there's another kind of demon out there, and that demon is called the IRS, taxation is theft. Just thought I'd throw Ooh, that out there. I like what you did there. I and saw we need someone to help us, and that someone is Josh Henry over there at SimplifyChurch.com. Well, Pete, where do I go to connect with them? It would be SimplifyChurch.com. If you need help with your workman's comp, another demon, a lesser demon, but a demon nonetheless. <laughs> 
If you need help with the IRS, the major demon. If you need help with payroll taxes, yet another demon, you need SimplifyChurch.com. And remember, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. (laughs) Guys, this has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. And don't forget the RTU, Reaching the Unreach, is on sale for $2.99 this month. Come me, that's a spicy meatball. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.